This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Kritz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. Hey, Tony, good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. Coming off of Thanksgiving, little extended weekend. My tummy is full, my spirits are high. Wow, are we gonna, is this gonna break into a musical? I, oh, you know, I'm always up for a musical. <laughs> it's too early in the morning for a musical for me. I still, I still need some time. I still struggle with the dance numbers, but besides that. Hey, you work on it, we'll do it next year. Thanksgiving, the musical. And I saw you were with the ladies. On I was, I spent, I spent Thanksgiving with my mom and my sister doing a very appropriate, you know, socially distanced socially with the distanced. rest of the world. It was just the three of us. It was Good quite lovely. You. And actually, I have to say, it was the first time in probably 15 years I've been at Thanksgiving, and there was few enough people that I got to take turkey home. So I was pretty, nice. I was pretty stoked about nice. that. And super cute picture on Facebook, by the way, of oh, the three thanks. of you. Thanks. I know. Let's, I look listen, just like my mom. Great. <laughs> you look at my mom and I, and we're just like, oh, You guys geez. are so cute. Yeah. So... It was good to spend time with them. And you're in, are you in Oklahoma right now? Don't, shh. Don't, <laughs> you're not supposed to expose my illegal travel, Kari Gale. <laughs> Edit this out. Now, I, now I we're going to get tons of hate mail. Like, <laughs> oh, that Tony Chris destroying the country. No, I, uh, I'm sorry. I haven't seen my sister in year, in like two years and, so we came down to see my sister and her family and and I'm the oldest person, so we're like we decided to risk it and I know we're not supposed to and I can't believe you just exposed me like that. Just to edit it out. We'll edit it out. I'm not gonna edit I'm not gonna edit anything. This is this is in the moment. We we our foibles and our beauty both are, are on the podcast. All right. We have a special guest today. We do. I, I can and, hardly, I, I can't banter any longer because I'm no so excited. No banter. Well, I'm, I'm super excited because I truly am a fan and um, a gushing fan, actually, because Ooh, a few fandom. days ago, I was sharing with my housemates in the house next to, door to where I am because we all cook together. And I played, I put one of the songs on. And no. Like, yes. And everyone's, I said, don't you guys love this song? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, guess what? We're interviewing him on Monday. No. What song did yeah. you play? Um, David Guetta, a couple of David Guetta songs. Um, I I have I have a well, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna reveal his name, but I do have a Sam Martin Spotify radio station that's on my should. top little stations on my Spotify. As you should, that's, absolutely. Um, yeah, I love it. So if I Sam had Martin. Spotify, I would have a Sam Martin <laughs> channel for sure. So welcome, so. Sam Martin, to Hello. our podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So, yeah, guys, banter is uh, world class. I can <laughs> So, this is Sam Martin. Sam Martin is a Grammy Award-winning musician, singer, songwriter, record producer. Uh, he's uh, he's amazing, and but more importantly, he is husband to Joy and father to Augie and Jack, and about to have a third boy. Any any. Any hour now. We actually don't know that, but you're probably right. Oh, I just assumed it was a boy because of the uh, Martin hey. propensity for boys. Yeah. You've got a great case. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, bud. Hey, Tony. Thanks for, thanks for spending some time with us. Oh, I uh, this is going to be fun. I uh, this is my favorite 
subject to talk about because I actually um, spend so much time in it that I almost know something about it, where, as opposed to all my other hobbies where I try to act like I know something about a subject and <laughs> have noticed that I don't really belong in the conversation. <laughs> so so yeah. for, this, for this season of Pilgrim Lost, what we're talking about is life is pilgrimage. And uh, what we wanted, so we've been discussing things like um, relationships as pilgrimage and tragedy and, and grieving as pilgrimage. And, um, and we wanted to get you on to talk about the creative processes of pilgrimage. And mm -hmm. since you are such a, such a researched and um, knowledgeable songwriter, creator. We just thought you'd be a great person to get on to talk about. And Kari and I both as creatives, we would love to just pick your brain for our own just personal edification because we're, we're increasingly trying to be more effective creative people. So uh, how's that sound? Kari, are you, are you up for this? Absolutely. I'm, I love to hear, I, I feel like I'm in this uh, weird creative space right now as we approach the end of the year and just trying to keep inspired and man, it has been a hard haul. And what is your, uh, what are the creative things you're doing? So I'm, uh, I'm a, a visual artist. I do predominantly like illustration, pen and ink and watercolor. I do do some writing, but I would say visual is not my, I do a lot of journal art and usually Sam, I usually my biggest, my most biggest love is to travel and then document my travels by drawing live in the moment. And so I've published a couple books Sweet. in doing that. And so right now my inspiration is wow. you know, cut off from me for the most part. And so, um, wow. yeah, that's so it's, been, it's been a haul. And so it's, it'll be really great to hear, hear from you and kind of- yeah. Sam, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, give, we'll send you one of Kari's books. So you can see they're like spiritual meditation is like, like journal entries around like watercolor art. It's really amazing stuff. You'll love it. Mm, sweet. Well, we'll get some inspiration on that. And then maybe you can get, you, maybe you can subscribe to her Spotify channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah probably yeah. better than mine because I might float off into a spiritual uh, uh, encounter. <laughs> can we, we can only hope, hey, right? So um, creative process, where do you want to start, Sam? Is there a. Sure. Uh, I, there's a, well, I'll just say what we were talking about earlier. The, the thing that I first was excited about when I was kind of going down this road of kind of analyzing what was actually happening that was causing this, this music to come, to come out. And I was, the, the lazy person wants the quick epiphany. Right. And that was, that actually happened to me uh, in a huge way. Uh, a life-changing way, I should say, because, um, I mean, I had, I had almost quit music when I was around about three times <laughs> when I was, you know, 22, when I was 26 and when I was 27, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, on, on the brink of almost quitting, um, one of the quits. I woke up from a dream with uh, a melody in my head and went to the piano in the middle of the night, put it down, went back to sleep, woke up the next morning, listened to it, said, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of poppy, that's kind of catchy. And then I, in another epiphany, within 15 to 45 seconds, wrote the rest of what the song would be called, Daylight. And... Daylight was a 
a miracle for me because I did spend two days writing the lyrics, which is another, I can analyze this whole experience because it kind of has every piece of what I think has the creative, uh, a proper creative process um, example. But um, what happened was that song ended up going to Maroon 5 with Adam Levine and it went on the Grammys. It, it got me out of my financial hole. It, it provided so many things that, that changed my life, inc including another chance at music. And, and uh, what happened was it, was it was all in a, two flashes. The other side of the coin is the two flashes I, were the two flashes of writing it, the one, the epiphany for the, and the, for the, and the tune, and the lyrics. The, 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 I had the two melodies, I had in the night, and then I had the morning. Right. Two, two quick flashes of, of inspiration. Everything solved. I even said the word daylight the next morning. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll base the song around this word daylight. And I'll, uh, it'll be about somebody in the daylight when the sun comes up and I have to leave. Like a soldier going to war or a kid going to college, he's with his girlfriend. Or, or actually the deepest meaning to me and the one that I hold on to is uh, as if someone's going on into the afterlife, like into another, uh, is, is this is the light. And when the sun comes up, I'll have to go. It's like when you see the light, you have to go. And so it's sort of a, a sad song, but it's, uh, to me, it's an inspiring and inspirational song. But mm. uh, some people thought it was a, about a one night stand. <laughs> that was my first thought, sorry. Yeah, some people thought it was, some people got it and were like, this is for all the soldiers, you know, and some people, uh, I don't know if any, and some people said, this is a funeral song. It's a funeral song. And so I, I got mixed, mixed reactions on that one. But regardless, the, the other side of the coin that I, of that song was that I spent two days on the lyrics and I spent 15 years writing music before that. And, and um, these two flashes just came and sent me on this. I'm in a 10 year journey right now with this publisher and with my pursuit of, of uh, popular music, you know, which has come, which I've quit that a couple of times as well in my mind uh, in the last 10 years uh, and, and only come back, you know, just come back for different reasons. And, um, but, that that was my, that so that the epiphany was really fun because what I found was that Paul McCartney uh, wrote yesterday in a dream and had different lyrics. He had scrambled eggs, oh my, something how I love your legs. Da 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 da. That that was his dummy lyrics to to remember the melody, and uh, but the melody was is fantastic. You know, the, yesterday's considered one of the greatest songs of all time, and, and it was written in a flash in a dream and. He, I, I've studied these guys and when they, you know, John Lennon would say it's, am I allowed on the other, you know, John Lennon did not write yesterday, but he wrote Nowhere Man and, and Imagine and all these things in, I, I don't know about Imagine, but Nowhere Man, he was sitting on the bed and he, he uh, the words and the music came in a flash and he was like, after eight hours of struggling, thinking he was a failure when he had already been a great success at that point. It's... And what he said that I caught in an interview the day before he died, he said, am I, when I'm writing, it's like I get, it just comes through me. And am I, am I even allowed to say I wrote this? 
Wow. Because he was so aware that it was so outside of him, um, these epiphanies, that um, uh, he, he, the permission to even say that he, it was his and he could put his name on it was, you know, gave him pause or whatever. So I, I, um, I love that. That's the most fun stuff. So most people will say, like I, I, the guy who wrote, I know the son of the man who wrote, owner of a lonely heart much better than a and he said he was on the toilet and it came to him and that was his biggest song and then he went on to have he was in yes the band yes and i was like oh my gosh this is just all lining up with what i think then you go to like science and i i looked at tesla and tesla the actual man nikola tesla whatever his first name is and he he had it burned out and he was um walking in the park with his friend and they were reciting poetry and during this this walk he saw in a vision his uh alternate current motor and that became he went on when he was 26 and he went on to uh go to america and he meet met edison and he told him about the motor and you know they got in a famous uh rivalry and um but what, what's most interesting, when Tesla finally got his funding to, to make the alternate current motor, he didn't use his drawings in which he used to sell his idea. He used his photographic memory of his vision to put it together and it worked perfectly. Wow. And so it was the same. So these epiphanies cross fields. You know, they cross genres. Of, right. or they cross, you know into different fields of, of, of anything in life. So I started to go, this is much deeper than just music. And it's, a, it's it mu there must be truth in, you know, in, of how things work musically or mechanically, or, you know, and, and it, it really hit, I, I, I hit a, a ceiling of my ability to understand what's going on because I don't know how you can see an AC motor Nat as a natural creative, you know, as a natural, a person made, made of the earth, you know, however we came to be, and, and have an epiphany about how to make a motor that works perfectly. So I, I, and then sometimes music just feels perfect, you know, and, and So Sam, I have a question for you. Oh, please. So I've been reading a book called The Practice by Seth Godin. And there's so many books about the creative process that you read, uh, or at least I read a ton of them. And they talk about this idea of showing up and doing oh, the work yeah. every day. And that, that the whole idea of showing up and doing the work every day is that so your, your tool, your, you know, your mind, your hands, whatever that thing is that you're creating with is sharp. And so the work you could be doing every day, you might write, for however many years and not write that incredible piece. But if you're not doing the work every day, then you're not gonna be ready and sharp and, and available to have that epiphany. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's 100%. important? So that's why I stopped writing the book for a moment because the epiphanies were exciting and fun, but they made people depressed because they're like, I don't have the epiphany. Right. Am I, am I, um, am I a bad, am I, should I not be doing this? You know should I quit? Um, and so that's why I feel like if I, you know, if I were to finish this book, I would aim it more towards the hard work and showing up and just have the fun stories about 
the epiphanies to encourage that that is possible and you should look out for them and and know that your tools should be sharp so when it comes that you're ready and you don't blow it because how many songs have i just blown like i had the moment and i my tool wasn't sharp or i i, I was in a different headspace and i i just missed the whole thing of what it could be because there's there's a there's um those initial sparks and sometimes they don't have enough to work with to make for a full song sometimes they're just a little tiny spark and you really have to be a master of your craft to to pull that one off and i can what's what's up yeah talk talk about the grind so like for instance my friend was over here we, he had a nice little melody going uh which is a fun we have a fun process where we chop up digitally the melody put it on a keyboard and like play different notes trigger different phrases so the note no longer applies to the you know pitch and so you just you could be like you know it could be like you know you can play the keyboard and it can opens up new possibilities well anyway he, he had this great thing going but we didn't have a good ending and and the the whole thing was based you know needed a, a good proper wrap up we literally spent five or f four to five hours into the night singing over and over different possibilities of what could end the song and i don't and we didn't even get an answer we actually had to stop and then the next week we picked it back up and um, I said, why don't we just use that ending that's at the, in the verse? And we kind of moved it over and that's the ending we chose. But I've spent so many, I've been, you know, in my, when I was just introduced to the pop world in Los Angeles, I, I never wanted to fail. Like I'm in a session, I'm with guys, girls, whatever. I'm, I'm, we're writing songs. I'm not going to leave this studio until we have something and i'd be up till six and the sun would come up and i'd drive home with my tail between my legs going i just grinded for the last 18 hours from you know or whatever from one to one in the afternoon to six in the next morning and this is uh this i cannot this is ridiculous you know we would sit there thinking about a lyric thinking about a and and though thinking about a melody thinking about production and I think those were sort of my training days. I don't think that's a good idea anymore because I burned out a couple times and it really, really, um, some people don't come back from the burnout. I'm definitely straying from your point. So I, I can go, the burnout is a big part of the prevention of burnout. I wanted, I want to definitely talk out because I think people don't yeah, talk, talk okay. about that. So like the thing that I noticed uh, is that I needed to stop burning out because I, instead I've kind of changed, literally this year I've decided that it's the better phrase is live to fight another day. Mm. So if I feel that things are just going sideways and I'm getting, nothing is coming and I've shown up, but I, but nothing's coming and a few hours have gone by or four or five hours go by and nothing's there. Instead of just, being you know um stubborn i literally just live to find another day walk out the door do something else 
so I started building things with wood. I built a deck and I built a shed and I built a, and then a zip line, not out of wood. And, uh, um, and it started to, to help. My, I noticed that my writing improved when I had something non-musical for me to do that was creative and was outside or with my hands or something. And that was one way to prevent burnout was to be excited about something else. And so that when I'd come back, it'd be like fresh and I'd be actually excited about trying to solve some music. Um, I should just like showing, I mean, your point of showing up was, is massive. It's like, if, because this year has been, like I said, this year has been particularly productive and, and has been, uh, I've just gotten a lot of positive feedback on the material that's come, come out of this oh, year. That's great which that's is great relief of the last three or four years have been a uh, wishy-washy and I've been really focused on my family and learning how to raise my boys. And I think I, and I was burned out. I think I didn't really know that I was burned out. And uh, so I just started showing up um, from like nine thirty to four thirty, and uh, having a hard out was like very, uh, uh, it wasn't my style. I usually would go until everything, until inspiration had gone away. And so I started, had this hard out and I was so much more productive when I knew that 4.30 I had to get home because the babysitter would leave or something, you know, and I had to get there. So I was like, I need to get some Unbelievable having a hard out. Didn't, wow. didn't expect that at all. Um, I have, I have 300 ideas this year out of, and you know, that have come you know work. where yeah. do 300 ideas come from like well, that's what's shocking to me is that i keep thinking that my time is done and then 300 ideas come out they're not good they're i have probably eight that are going to do something well uh, we talked about that on a prior podcast on um yeah. art and fear there's a whole this whole concept of 50 pounds of clay have you heard of this, Sam? Oh, that's cool. Where it, you- got all the points. Why do you need me? This is- No, great. no, I mean, you can tell that I've been interested in this process for a long time, but basically, yeah. I won't go into the whole story again, but it's like, you have to do so much. Everyone says you do so, so much in order to, to get that, that little bit that's really good work. And, and you have to do all of that. There's no way around it. 100%. I just looked at my folders and I have 246 folders for this year and then within some of the folders are multiple ideas that have gone on to either be a song or be a, a scrapped but um most most of the ideas are are scrapped but uh it's the yeah but uh i i'm in like i was thinking how is this possible you know to to write to continue to write songs and and i've i think there's someone there there's a very controversial figure that is my friend. His name is Dr. Luke. And he uh, uh, had one of the greatest runs in pop history uh, in the two, early 2000, 2010s. And he's um, became a giant in the industry. And I got to work with, I got, I had like a year and a half ex almost exclusive with him. And he was actually a really good teacher. And um, he taught me, that the whole game is uh, melodic rhythms of pop. And I thought 
shoot, I'm not very good at rhythms. This is, this is bad, but I started, I've really accepted that this year. And I know that's like more of a musical talk, but basically there's so many, there's, there's only about five to six notes you can play within a scale that are going to be pleasing to the average or to anyone's, to most people's ear. And including me, I don't, I don't really love jazz and crazy tones and, you know, stretching. I, I don't like, I love like songs that people sing along to in stadiums. You know, why do they sing along to that one and not that one? And it's, it's more instinctual, I know. But like, you, I went to see Paul McCartney and they, everyone's singing Hey Jude. But they weren't singing along to the benefit of Mr. Kite like they were singing along to Hey Jude. And uh, I just, that's obvious. You know, you don't, I, I don't, I could try to describe it musically, but if I just played them to you, you'd say, well, where would you sing along with this song? And you'd be like, well, we, you know, right, you know, with being the benefit of Mr. Kite, you're like, nah. But if you go, you would know exactly where to sing with, na, 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 And we just sing over and over. It's like a magic. You got 80,000 people singing that. It's ridiculous. I like that. You know, that's what I like. I liked it when I went, to, when I was a kid and they sang, I went to see Billy Joel as a kid and the whole audience stopped and sang, sing us a song, piano man, sing us a song tonight. And I'm just going, now that's what I want to do. I was like, well, and just to, just to be the fan for the moment, you, your songs, that is what I think of your songs as. I think of your songs as these epic sing-along songs and anthems. Anthems, they're anthems. And, you know, certainly you've written for other people and you've written, written differently for certain artists, but your music, sure. like your, your music that you put on under your name yeah. is that anthem. And I, I, that's why I love blasting them because I can sing along with them. So to your point, yeah. Oh, thanks. I, yeah, I guess that's revealing as to why the music turns out the way it does. It's just natural, it's, it's a natural gravitational pull to certain styles and I didn't choose that, um, which is, I think is something that people, I hope it's a freeing thought actually, because people don't really choose their, well, this is a, I, okay. People don't choose their personalities. <laughs> people don't choose much about themselves. They have a very small amount that they get to play with, you know, free, that's my, that's what I've gathered so far is that and so the type of music that I'm drawn to, it's just like, it's like I can't convince anyone to like any song that I've written. I literally play it and like I'll play it for my wife and she'll go, and I know that she's not feeling it that much. And then there'll be other times where I'll play it and she'll literally start yelling or something. And it's like, why that one and not that one, you know? And, and uh, it makes me know she doesn't even she doesn't she wouldn't even know how to tell you and nor would i why i like that song so much it just comes over you before you have a conscious decision about it which is something i like and don't like about music because you can't really <laughs> you can't really really know if someone you, you can give a hunch oh i think this one's got a bit of magic in it but i've had responses like i'll think that it has magic in it and i'll get a response like not your best work from my publisher and then I'll have like one where I'll say I'm not sure about this guys but I'm sending it in anyway and then I'll get 
Sam, this is it. You're, you're the greatest, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Okay. All right. Let's go with it. But uh, I lost track of where I was going. But um, tell, us, uh, tell us about what you've learned this year or what's been pulling yeah. you through it this year. So I'm super out, curious. Okay. So the hard out was crazy. Showing up and having a hard out. That was the first one. Just, just. So crazy. these are, these are itemized things that you've written down that you've learned this year and you sent to your publisher to go, this is what's been, this is what's been inspiring my creative process. This year. Yeah. And that, yeah. So that was one. Uh, I took the weekends off, which was kind of like, I kind of get a little bored there. It's, but I think that that just that edge of boredom is just enough to get me, keep me fresh for Monday. Like it's almost right. like it's almost like we need a day of rest. It's almost like that's built into the human experience, a day of rest. Yeah, I'm just talking crazy talk to me. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. I, don't I know. Like, just a seven thousand year old document that said rested on old. the seventh day. You know how it is. Would have been older than that. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was crazy. So that was important. I used to take Sundays off only and then I added the Saturday because of my kids and that was that's where the boredom seeps in on Sunday and you're going uh, I think I'm ready to get back to it which has not been a feeling that I've felt you know in the past years it's like you know okay I gotta okay I gotta show up you know here's the grind but this has been that's that was helpful I stuck to what I was good at and historically, I, my best and most productive and most prolific uh, uh, aspect of music is melody and chords. I, I, it's not always lyrics. Lyrics come less often for me than melody. And that's where the 300 ideas this year have come from is I've done a series of musical ideas, just tons and tons and tons. And then the ones that I like the most, I'll try to write lyrics to. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, let's 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 press into this a little bit because isn't there a tension between? I mean, on one hand, you know, yeah, do your do your thing, do your superpower, do your A game, stay to your A game, don't try and be something you're not. But at the same time, like in music, for instance, or in any discipline, you also want to you also want to risk and dabble into other things to expand, sort of. The, the number of tools yeah. in your tool shed, you know, so you're always yeah. like growing as a person. So how do you balance those two things? Well, I think the reason why this year is interesting and it's been the previous years have been the stretching. So this it. is sort of like the year of like, hey, your superpowers haven't worked out in these areas. You don't have those superpowers. Actually, right. uh, You found out you don't have those superpowers. Let's take a year or two and develop your superpower because i actually my superpower is in my world of pop writing is this close to going into obscurity at any point at any point it's so fickle and bizarre and I, to this point i'm um i think I, I i can only use this with like when you play a game you know when you're playing soccer or football or something and if you're if you're at the if you're playing a team that's incredible, you have the only way you score a goal is at the edge of your ability. Right. Okay. So what I've thought was 
with music and my particular ability to write melody and chords, that is not easy. And it's not, even if people think that's a superpower, I think the only melodies that get, that get used on the radio or get used in the, by the big artists are the ones that are right at the edge of my ability. And I needed to double down on that because they weren't working. Like it wasn't working. It was working okay. But I wasn't getting the re response and I wasn't playing at, at the edge of my skill level. And I realized this year that it takes every ounce of my best side of myself plus a magical epiphany to even get a chance to be heard in the in in this pop game so all right so lean into your superpower what's next so I, yeah lean, but yeah i i delegated tasks hmm that's so good I, so i having some partners and uh assistants that uh literally basically they built up songs so I would write a melody and chords, and instead of spending the rest of the day putting all the elements to make the chorus sound big and the verse sound small and the energy consistent and all the things that need to present an idea, I passed it off and offered, you know, that we would split or we would have percentages and I would, I would take the hit on the percentage to continue to write new ideas. Nice. So that was, you know, that helped me focus on what I was best at, uh, you know. And then uh, live to fight another day. In order to prevent a burnout, I would just, I would, like I said, I would just leave the studio if it was just really not going well. And, I, and because I've been doing it for so long, I literally, I kind of know, kind of know when this isn't gonna go well. <laughs> Like this, I, I'm not in the right headspace. Like, but I've showed up. I show, I've shown up. And uh, I'm here and I tried. But today's not the day. You know, I'm walking out. It's all good. Um, I wish I could have done that in Los Angeles with, with people. Mm. And, and because I would, I kind of a, want things to go smoothly. And I, I don't want to you know offend anyone but i have a few bold friends who just they're not feeling it and they'll just walk out of the studio and or they'll say guys today's not our day like it's all good but i i would stay the until we're done with something whether it's good or bad and i think it burned me out you know um personally but i i, <laughs> I do i have a friend <laughs> Who, uh, who he thought it was cool to get a massage during a session. And he was, and he was in like about to, he was in a session with really, really big producers called Stargate. And he, he, he said, he thought it would be cool and it would impress them if he got a massage. So, so he called a massage person to come to the studio. And while they're writing in the middle of writing, they get a knock on the studio door. He opens it. He says, hey, can, I was, I'm going to get a massage. Like, where can I do it? And they're like, in the vocal booth? And it's like, <laughs> okay, great. And he spent an hour getting a massage <laughs> in the vocal booth. And, you know, like, like, I don't have those 
that bravery. Uh, So are are you recommending this technique? I am recommending the ability to say, it's not that I don't like you guys, but, and I want to, we can try again sometime. Right. But I I need to, we need to to not do this today. There's this huge, uh, you know, correlation, obviously, uh, with this idea of pilgrimage, which Tony and I have laughed at, and I won't, well, maybe I will bring it one more time. This idea of stopping when you're in pain, which are stopping when you've known your limitations, like recognizing your limitations. And this idea, yeah, and so, so people are like, no, I'm going to press on, I'm going to keep doing this, I'm just going to keep going, and, and it, and it, it's, it's, um, it can be fatal because of, you know, injuries and Tony experienced a little piece of that. But I think that's such a huge thing to recognize because especially in Western culture, we are not told to rest. We're not told to, right. um, to gather our thoughts. We're not told to take a break. And so it feels mm-hmm. there's a shame built around this idea of stopping. And yeah, so I, you're so yes. right. Yeah. yeah. And so did you experience that? And how do, how are you 100%. able to move, move out of the shame it, space and be like, nope. this I did not move out of the same space. This will be a new test because I literally left Los Angeles for what happened to be coronavirus (laughs) and and this whole pandemic. And the uh, being isolated and uh, being having the phone as a barrier because I would write on the phone or on FaceTime and be like, oh, I got to go. That would, or, or guys, I have to go. My wife's here. I'm leaving. You know, like I would find easy excuses at first. Now I can talk with um, this sort of experience saying, guys, we're not doing well today. I have a writer who's a great lyricist who will go back and forth on lyrics. And I said, dude, today's not our day. Let's just let's live to find another day. And he says, wow. Okay. Let's do it. You know, like now I have the, like, I know I'm not saying our relationship is over. I'm saying, look, we're not, this is not working. Let's, it's not that we're not working. It's that it's not happening today. And so, you know, I don't know if it's, and, and we've, you know, we actually did that five times in order to get one lyric right for a song. And I don't even know if we got it right, but I think we got something right on it, but it could need some more work. But uh, anyway, that was, um, that's, been That's huge. That sounds really, I mean, to me, that, to me, that ability, what you just described, that's more bold and brave than like plugging through it and being like, I'm going to make it like to oh. be able to stop and take stock and then come back. That's and, awesome. and, and, and to know yourself, you know, just in, you know, and back to the pilgrimage example, like it's, it's actually when it's too, when you're actually hurting, it's, it is at that point, it's too late. Like it's already too late. Like it's, you have to know your body well enough to see when it's coming yeah. and to stop, you know, like when you're, when you're walking 20 miles a day, you know, when, when the hot spots start in your feet or your back starts to give out, like you have to know, you have to recognize it when it's starting, because if you wait until you're actually debilitated, you're done. Like you, you're on a bed for three days or you're taking a bus and you miss a whole section of the pilgrimage. And uh, so uh, 100%, 100%. The, the only thing that causes that uh, curveball is that I've had instances where the last 10 minutes of the day, I got it. I got the right. thing. And so I go like, is to, you know, that's why I hesitate to say it's a hard truth. You know, I say it's, it's a most truth, mostly a truth is what I would 
cat that what I would claim and that you always need to leave open the possibility that that was you know that you might have left a good idea on the you know on the sidelines there you know and uh it's okay you have to just accept that you know but but i just that's the only confusion about that truth is that and that seems uh, to be true is like i can't ever say that that's a hundred percent true because there's this little instance when this could have and, and where this possibility could could come into play which it wouldn't apply and that's um something i've noticed but it is can uh, I, i'm not resolved on that so i should we should move on should i go to the next top the next yeah. uh item on the list so this might be a controversial point but it's something i've been doing this year so i aimed at the top of the charts so I had a, a a friend. Well, he's like a legend, so it's, it's you want to be his friend. But uh, his name is Max Martin, and he is number three behind Paul McCartney, John Lennon, then Max Martin when it comes to number one Hot 100 pop hits. And wow. I can't even tell you how many top tens. It's 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 insane. He he helped me with Daylight. And that's part of the reason it <laughs> it did so well, because he produced it in a way that was made it ready for radio, which was a big lesson to me. But there was a kid named Shellback. I don't know his real. It's like Johan. He's from Sweden, and he's like a cousin or something of Max Martin. And and he said, uh, I don't. He they were at a party or a family gathering or something, and he went up to Max, who at this point had already sealed his himself as a legend in that industry and he said i don't like what you do and he goes you don't like what i do he goes no i don't like the music you write and he goes well try it and shellback became uh took on the challenge and tried to write some pop music for him and found out how hard it was but max saw that he had some talent and um took him under his wing and Shellback became kind of a mini major legend in his own right and wrote like moves like Jagger and Taylor Swift's like style. And he's been on song after song. Um, and he's, you know, I think he, he had a burnout too, but, um, but he, uh, what I noticed is well, what it was is that this, industry it's takes you right to the edge of your ability it's that hard you know it's not like you can just knock off some pop hits and and go collect your your royalties and go back to doing your art you know that it, it really takes you to the edge of your ability so what i noticed is that i hadn't been paying attention to the top of the charts i hadn't been listening to the radio and if i wanted to be on the radio or if I wanted to be participating in that world, I needed to be aware of what was going on if there's any way I could participate. <laughs> and in the meantime, so in the meantime, I would write songs that would be for no purpose whatsoever except pure inspiration. And then other times I'd find that I don't have 
uh, I need some assignments. Like I need something to do right. while I wait for my uh, like song for my son or a song for my wife while she's in trouble. And I was just going through some songs here and that I've been writing this year. And I found that, you know, the ones that I really cherish are the ones I wrote for my wife when she was struggling with morning sickness, you know, or the one that I uh, uh, wrote for uh, when I realized that my son was going to have to grow up and leave the house and that I needed to express that you're free to be yourself, but, but uh, I'm going, I'm with you you know, forever. These are the songs that I keep close to my heart. Um, but, um, but I realized that as a creative, I can get lost in, and find myself running out of ideas that really grab my interest. So I take on the challenge of, and so I really enjoy, like my publishers are 90% are right about what my strongest material is occasionally they'll miss one and i'm just like you missed that one that one's that one's magic to me uh and other times they'll even if they can't use it for their means to get to the radio often they'll they'll compliment it and i'll i'll use it as sort of an an outside for outside person to bounce stuff off of so i'm not just i really need help with the i really need somebody to bounce us stuff off so to have these seasoned veterans and these 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 uh i i you know these are heavyweights in the industry of my, my publishers and to get their feedback on my material is good so when i aimed at the top of the charts i was also looking for i was looking to to um to like be back in action because like i went and made an album i made a, a a soul project this is stuff that no one asked me to do and I'd kind of gone into obscurity doing what I wanted to do. And I wanted to, I, I wasn't sure that it was time for me to, that I, that I had seen some of my friends, like who I always thought we had similar talent levels. And, and I was like, Oh, you know what? I can do this. I'm not, I'm not done. So I don't know. You, you can challenge this point, but what happened is it, it, it gave me assignments. It pushed me to the edge of my ability. It made me learn new styles and, stretch my abilities and I'm you know it's not that I want to be aiming at the charts all the time but I just did it this year and it's been really positive so uh, I don't love every song that I've written this year but but uh, sometimes I, I strike out but anyway respond I think that's a really um, that idea of authenticity there's this, this sort of idea of, of you know, what's your own personal style and staying in that style. But then, Ooh. but then, you know, how do you like, you know, you brought up these two points, Sam, one earlier in the conversation, you talked about really learning what you were very best at your superpower. Yeah. Your superpower. There's and one. then, it, and then interestingly enough, you know, how do you take that superpower that is your authentic best superpower self and then applying it to this area at the top of the chart, which isn't necessarily where you would go left to your own devices without, without these assignments. And so that's an interesting combination of things because I think sometimes mm -hmm. we've been given this sort of, I don't know, I don't know if it's a lie per se, but this idea of just like, just be your authentic self and that'll, you know, that'll take you where you need to go. And I've been really struggling with that because I don't know if that's necessarily true. And 
<laughs> yeah, so, 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 I, I, okay, because, because, you know, I think if Michelangelo was hired to, to do right. the system chapel, and so you, is a weird thing that creatives, creative people will, well, I, ever, I don't think like music is the exclusive creative, or painting, or, or the classic, right, you know, I, I find a lot of people creative, um, but anyway, when we're talking about the arts or whatever, uh, I think that I don't necessarily always trust that the that the artist doesn't need guidance, you know, or some help from some outside outside minds, you know. So so to to think that Michelangelo's greatest would he really have done that painting on his own? Just like, hey guys, I've, I've got this idea. I need some funding. I want to go to the ceiling and just start drawing these different. The history of the universe. Yeah, history of the universe. He's like, I, I don't know. What did, what would he have done if you, you know, maybe it's in, I would be curious. I'm kind of curious what he would do um, on his own. But I know that on my own, um, I do certain types of music and I gravitate to certain things. And, off, and I don't have enough material to last, to write 300 ideas that way for the year. Like I need to write, I, I probably write 10 to 15% of like heart wrenching. I can't even handle writing too much heart wrenching material. I literally have to like breathe, take a breath, go like, I can't believe, like I have to just bask in it and go and then, and then let it exhaust me. And then I go, whew, you know, let's do a few, let's do some, some assignments. Let's like, let's get some, Let's like, give me something to do here while I recover from my emotional experience of writing that song. Uh, that's a truth. I really get tired. There's like, if I was just always writing the deepest, like most emotional music, I, I think I, I could only do about 15% of what I do um, for a year if, on a productive year. And so, in the meantime, I'm sharpening my tool, like you say. I'm showing up, I'm trying some stuff out, I'm trying to push myself forward. I noticed that, um, I noticed that uh, my particular style doesn't resonate on the, um, like it doesn't do very well on the radio, it doesn't do very well on Spotify, and I'm okay with that, is I need to express myself, I need to get that out, but it doesn't like, I'm not expecting I'm doing it for different reasons. I'm doing it for, for, cause I have to, and I feel right. that I'm feeling um, incredibly inspired and then I must do it. That's, that's sort of like when I made this album, Alpha Omega, I literally caught the vision. It felt like a spiritual came from outside an outside source, like creator or whatever you want to call it. And it felt so like, I have to do this and I just did it and I made no money like nothing right. and i'm so proud of that piece it's a it's a it's a 43 minute um symphony in my mind of different themes that reemerge and it's from like birth to death and you know and i don't know if anyone cares but i care and i'm i'm glad to have done my style the way i would do it and i i'm not ready to do another one of those and so in the meantime i'm just trying to write all sorts of types of music and and um feeling a little phony at times and then feeling like hey i can do this you know or hey uh i'm not this is not the 
this is doable, you know, and, and then it's styles that I really right. have always wanted to write. And yet I've never felt confident enough to try. And, and I know that like, I kind of twisted into my own thing, but anyway, so that, that's yeah, one. And, and your job is songwriting. Yes. Well, that, you know, yes. It's your job. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that every accountant is like, I'm inspired by my spreadsheet. You know, it's just like, you know, part of it, you just got to, sometimes you just got to grind, do the work. Yeah, I mean, nobody likes to hear that in my, I mean, I, I, I've never inspired anyone saying, look, this is my job. I write songs like, you know, like, <laughs> like oh, cool. Like, I don't actually think of, I, I, it's not that I don't think about like financial gain or anything. I'm not saying that. I definitely need to keep that in mind. But what I don't show up, th it, it's so hard to make any money in, in music that it's almost a waste to even think about it. All I need to do is crack the code. Like I need to write something magical. Everything works out from there. Like in magic has nothing, no one that I know of says, oh, let me just think about money and I'm gonna write something great. The only people that can do that are like producers or A&Rs and they can all think about money and, and, and be, you know, have that aspect of their life dominate, but it doesn't work for me. Like it doesn't work for my creative. I, people like, uh, that like my, uh, that, that are, that like the music that I write definitely like it because I've tapped into some emotion or some spiritual right. experience. Like that's, that, that money just, just snuffs that out. Right. Think so, about it. And let's get back to your list. Did we get through your list? Almost. So uh, I took a, I took on new styles and evolved my techniques. The, the coolest thing is that's kind of aiming at the charts too, but um, I'll tell you the secret. So we, and I, I mentioned it already, but, but sometimes you're just sick of hearing your own thoughts or your own, my own melodies over and over. I'm sitting here literally with a piano and different sounds and I'm singing into this microphone and how many hours can you just hear yourself sing like that? Like, come on, like, it's not, it's, it gets a little old. So what started to do is I started to sing phrases really slow. Then I'd speed them up. So that instead of, I'd go like, like that's slow. Then I'd speed it up, it'd be like faster, right? And then, I'd put it on a keyboard and I do, I already kind of mentioned this, but I put it on the keyboard and every note would have a different phrase on it. And it was kind of random. And we just started trying all of a sudden these new songs and new ideas would emerge out of melodies that I would sing normally. Then I would pitch it up and make it sound different and then make my voice sound lower or higher or something. And all of a sudden a whole, a brand new song would come into to uh, existence that I would never have read. So these are new techniques using technology to, to trigger, you know, brand new ideas that, and that, that kind of bounce off that. And then that would take me in. So now I can kind of imagine what will work in that environment. And I've been a little bit more productive in that. So that's one thing. And that has really brought me uh, into a new, new like i feel like we're inventing a new genre in some ways it's like kind of it's it's it the technology and that that combination has caused new t new territory to be um 
you know, we're walking in new territory. It, it's cool. yeah, very cool. And then uh, I, I can't remember, I mentioned this, I can't remember if I mentioned this before we were talking, but the last one on the list was that I just learned non-musical creative things to do. And when I was burned out, I'd go do the deck, build a deck or build a shed or, uh, or I build my son a, a wooden sword or something. <laughs> And out of a band with a bandsaw and just doing outside, just taking on something else, you know, it's not musical was, was huge. So um, that was the list. But um, there, there's another thing I wanted to tell you that I never, should I tell you? Oh, go ahead. Oh, we got. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go. No, go ahead. Um, so one thing I did want to say just to that, oh, it's really interesting. Oh, is good. You finding. Um, you found basically a way to reinvent your creative process and that, Oh yeah. You know, by doing those modulations, I'm not going to use the proper terms because I'm not a musician, but sure. doing those things with your voice, doing, trying to find new and interesting ways to actually recreate your creative process, allow yeah. that to become new again. And so that's, that's really interesting. And I like, I like that idea. I mean, I think that that's really profound because for you to, to kind of spark your own creative process with that was, was um, I mean, I, it sounds like you kind of stumbled across it, but it sounds like it's been really the kind of lifeblood for you. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I don't do it all the time, but other thing I used to do when I was really bored of what I kept singing, I would just reverse what I did. So I sing a phrase like, and then I'd reverse it and be like, oh, I can't even do it. And then it was like, oh, I like it when it goes up more than going down all the time. Because I found that I would always write melodies down. And I was like, why am I writing melodies down? Why don't I, like Paul McCartney likes to go up. You know, why don't I go up? And so that, I mean, just reversing it gives you new ideas, you know? And so, you know, just like turn the painting upside. I don't know how you would do it. Another. Some people do. Some people do draw, uh, like look at something, and uh, like take a portrait instead of looking at it as like if I was to draw a picture of you, Sam, I would be get hung up on like how I see how I see you versus looking at light, dark, shadow. So I would take like if I was drawing from a picture, I would take that picture and flip it upside down and just draw you as shape and shadow and line rather right. than as a face because then I would be able to get away from how I think you look in my mind. Right. So I think Whoa. you're doing some of that same that same process. It's uh, it's interesting. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so I met this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I met this doctor who uh, who loved music. Uh, he was a he had invented some techniques to analyze uh, if something was killing cancer or not. If, if uh, you know, he really fast techniques. Anyway, he. Um, uh, he was doing a, a, a hobby experiment with music and he, he how, did, how do I say this? Because I, okay. He said at a cellular level, if you look at a cancer, uh, a cancer cell and you analyze like their genomes or whatever, I don't know the terms, but there were 23 or whatever. And you, one was turned, they were on and off switches. So if you turn one on and two off, three off, four on, that was the cancer cell. Then he, he analyzed a healthy cell and, it, and he did uh, on, off, on, off, on, on, off, 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 you know, all the way till 23. And you say, okay, what, how did he, then he put it on the piano. 
because there's you know you can put 23 notes or whatever 24 notes and he put on and off and so he so he started playing the notes of the cancer cells on the piano and when he played them on the piano it was dissonant sounding sounded like you know you know like that you know like not not good to the ear and then when he played the healthy cells they were like you know like more the right they were more um pleasing to the ear and more harmonic and they were working so he it i mean he hasn't written this and he's still working on it and all that but he just clued me into it and i thought if that's true and there is a fundamental deep cellular resonance with um certain relation musical how notes relate to each other right so you, you know what i'm saying so if you do this you know that's nice you know if i if i went like you know this that's okay but if i went like you're like that's not good uh and you'd say that's not good but you didn't choose that that didn't sound good that that might sound good to a dog i don't know probably not though you know <laughs> but um what i started to realize is that i the limit the reason i enjoy still enjoy going after um pop music uh is because it deals with trying to be the most pleasing to the ear is is the attempt you know and like you're trying to find the most beautiful and most resonating um music that that works for just naturally takes you away and and you know it's music there's a lot of factors to music you know how you grew up what your parents listened to you know a lot of stuff but but i think that you can kind of narrow it down and you can find that either there's probably about five or six notes that you have to that you have to work with you don't have a lot to work with and the fact that we can continue to keep making brand new music that's that that nobody's ever heard before is something to do with the how how many combinations of rhythms and within those six or seven notes um that you can do but anyway um i just think that there's there's not you're never going to write like the song that everybody likes the perfect song that everyone likes but i think you can write it that that secretly hidden in these six notes is a magical um song waiting to emerge that will resonate with everyone at like a cellular level you know and you just you're looking for this there's so you know a lot of those great songs are just so simple and, and even if they're not simple they feel simple like i think of fantasy impromptu by chopin which is like the craziest like i'm trying to learn on the piano and it's it's absolutely wild like it's so many notes so fast but if i could almost sing it to you it feels so but if you play the notes you know like i always thought that was a great chopin could make something complicated feel simple but anyway i'm sorry to ramble on and on sam take off for us each of your each of your conclusions this year just can you just name them one one right after the other for us just to remind us yeah. what they were i showed up i took the weekends off i stuck to what i'm good at i delegated tasks i lived to fight another day 
I aimed at the top of the charts. Controversial. I took on new styles and evolved my techniques. And I learned new non-musical creative things to do. Change up. Hit me. No, no, that's that's the change up at the last one. A little little creative change up in your life in order to keep you fresh. Oh, yeah. Change up. So uh, you've got um, you got something popping right now on the radio. I hope. So. Well, I, well, it's got to break internationally, and it's got to break or in Canada or something. But right now we've got John Legend and a new artist, Fozia. I can barely pronounce her name, and they did a duet of a song that I wrote for my sister who was breaking, who was having this breakup. And I called the song, actually I got a note. I originally had a different title and they called, my publisher said, I think you can beat this lyric. And I said, oh man. And I called the song Minefields because it was like walking through minefields. Their relationship was like walking through minefields. You know, if you stepped on, it was just said the wrong thing you know you'd be blown up uh so i uh hey i wrote it and there tonight i i don't know how it's gonna go but apparently every contestant is going to sing minefields on the voice and i think they're gonna play that's the the proper song in the promos and stuff but that's tonight and so we're all going to gather around the tv okay so this uh so this podcast is going to pop tomorrow morning so if you're listening Go on YouTube and go to last night's well, Yeah, I'll, I'll try to find it. I'll try to find it and I'll link it <clears> to, <throat> to the pod. Oh, fun. And then uh, the other one that's worth noting is that we I wrote a Christmas song last Christmas. At least I wrote a Christmas melody last Christmas because it sounded very, very Christmassy. And I said, this has to be a Christmas song. And in August, I brought in a producer who had... Uh, just had a Christmas song with the Jonas Brothers. And I said, you're a Christmas expert, so let's do this song. And he said, okay. And uh, we wrote this Christmas song and we didn't know who was gonna take it. And this artist, Ava Max, who is having um, great success right now. She's number three on the radio and she's been internationally. She's, she's become a bit of a friend and uh, she took the song in a heartbeat and we were and, and released it within like two weeks of recording it. I've never had that happen. Wow. Never. Oh, wow. so that one seems like it's, it just, I just noticed on Spotify, they just did a, this is Christmas and they have that song on that playlist, but I have no, they, what's, they what's the title? What's the title? Christmas without you, which it's, it's it won't feel like Christmas without you is the longer title, but they just called it Christmas without you. It's like, what? and that, that little phrase, the hardest thing to do is to write that lyrical wrap up, you know, like what's, what's the song, what's the, the point? And I find it the, probably one of the most difficult things to do in, in writing and that it won't feel like Christmas without you is, was, is came to me at, uh, in, uh, in my bed in the middle of the night so i always like this some aspect of a song happens in bed then <laughs> <laughs> i say like there's a chance that it will do well sam i do want to ask you one question about when you do that song and it and it hits it's like this sort of arrival like if we're going to go back to pilgrimage it's like walking into the square and mm-hmm. seeing the cathedral and you've done it and you've written that you know mm-hmm. song that's topping the charts like, what is your feeling? Do you, 
is it elation or you're already working on the next thing? Is it usually you said that your songs don't come out that quick? So there's not Oh my that gosh. They can, okay, if I, they don't come out for nine to 18 months sometimes. Sometimes, like this Minefield song is four years old. Wow. So it's, it's, it's like you have to really enjoy kind of some aspect of this. It's, it's just like 99% failure in the sense of will this song get released and will this song be published? So you're, you're not focusing on that end goal. You're focusing on, you have to focus on the journey. You're focusing on the walking because it's so far away that you're never, you're, you can't be focusing on that because it's too far out. You won't even, and you don't even know if it's going to, you're going to get there, right? You so crazy. That's part of preventing burnout is, is managing expectations managing realizing that you have to be in this for other reasons you can't i can't you know adam levine likes one song and thinks it's going to be a grammy song the next month he's over it how can you possibly that's a huge swing not only did you lose a grammy you lost all your all that money that could have come from that so you you can't think about it you just have to go you know what i have to do magical things for magical reasons, uh, because if you do it for for money, it just doesn't. Uh, you don't get that. You don't touch people's souls searching for just searching for money. It just doesn't work. It's like it, in my my experience. Um, but um, speak. Yeah, I mean, you have. I mean, it's an. It's. I mean, I I ask around a lot because I, around other writers, I say, "What's your success rate?" Like of people actually, and he's, they're like. I hear 98, 97. I've never heard 50. I've never heard 60%. You know, I've never, I've heard only the 90s of failure. 90%. Okay. Of, oh, failure. Okay. You're, I thought you were talking sorry. about success rate. Sorry. I Most of their songs never see the light of day. We call it, they get stuck on the hard drive. And, and, you know, you kind of like, there's, everyone has a song or two or maybe more that is stuck on their hard drive that they're like, why is this song not seen the light? Why yeah. hasn't it seen the light of day? But there were so so many points, so many good things of what you said. I I, want, uh, I forgot. But um, so when it does pop, I, what's what's oh, the yeah, sensation? Right. When it does uh, see the light of day. Well, the coolest thing in in the whole like as being a writer is driving in your car and having it randomly pop up on the radio. I mean that is that. I mean, you can get over that initial thrill, but I was in the car with a friend when Daylight came on the radio and, and in, it was in Portland and it was wild feeling. What a feeling. But, Did you still, like roll the window down and yell out and be like, I wrote this. Yeah. My, my, biggest, my biggest commercial success was uh, Want to Want Me, which is this fun like yeah. 80s, like dun, 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 fun song and uh, by Jason Derulo. And that song just played so much. And it was, it was fun to do it at, have it at weddings that I was at. I was at my friend's wedding and they played it. And I actually had said, guys, let's write a wedding song. Let's like, what would you say if you're dancing with your partner? You'd say, I want you to, I want you to want me, you know, that kind of thing. And if you want me, you got me. And like, I was just thinking i was just seeing the wedding floor and it actually worked out as a wedding song is in, that's insane like most of the time when i say guys check it out we're gonna do this and this it's just nothing happens <laughs> but uh 
yeah so I, I um but oh my gosh the most 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 the double most uh uh is to hear a crowd of people sing your song uh it's like a sold out stadium that's that that's what's sort of sad about the pandemic is that's been not, that's not an option right now but uh maybe it will make us all appreciate it more when we get back to it but um but uh, when they played uh daylight when maroon five well actually it was really special because we we drove up to seattle and they had they were in the key arena and they gave us um i thought they were i said can i have tickets is that cool like you know i was like kind of nervous and and they said uh oh um yeah yeah we'll get you some tickets and i was like oh great you know i was just like put me in whatever row you know and we get there and they're like you know one c and we're <laughs> like oh we're in the front row okay so that's fun and so adam was singing all night like right here you know with us and and room and it, we had this wonderful experience in the studio and it was just magical and so there was nothing but good feelings between me and the band and all that and uh and the song doesn't play they don't play it and the the, the concert you know the first it ends and they're going for their encore and i'm like are they gonna play it like and i was like you know it was number like four on the radio at that time and i was like do people know this yet is this you know is this is this no i never had a hit i never this is a miracle for me you know this is crazy and he gets he gets on stage way out in the middle of the crowd you know you can the walk out walks out there in the middle of the crowd and and he says well this next song was written by a guy that's here tonight and his name is sam and then they the guitar player ran up to the front of the stage and shined a light right on me the whole stadium looking at me and they're going yeah you wow you you know i was like oh. <laughs> i was like oh no i actually felt a little fear because i was like they're they're not, not interested in me they're gonna try to get to adam levine through me and i was thinking someone's gonna they're gonna but luckily everyone behaved and it was wonderful and they go cheer and he goes and he's here tonight and it's my favorite song on the album which was a huge deal because there was massive writers big you know that were on that album so it was really cool to write a special song to him that's great and he and he said it's called daylight and he starts singing it and the crowd starts singing the verse which was really cool and it gets to the chorus and it's kind of like my moment with piano man it that's my moment that's like when i was 12 i heard billy joel sing piano man and the whole crowd sang it and then you know 15 years later or whatever it was i i got to hear my own song that i wrote in my own house you know i had a dream sung by you know it was a 25,000 people that night and at the top of their lungs and i it was ridiculous i mean it's literally i don't know how i would ever beat that experience uh oh. as in my career like because I've had bigger songs and there's been like, I've got to sing in front of 70,000 people with a song I wrote for my son. And, and that was, that's top experience as well. But that moment was the first time that, that something actually worked out in a big way that uh, for in music. And it was like this, just like, Hey, you did it. Okay. You set, wow. you set out for what you did. You set out for what you wanted to do and you did that. Uh, 
we I've, I don't think it's the secret to all life. I don't think it, it makes someone happier. Uh, it just has a nice um, feeling of uh, accomplishment and, and sort of a relief that all that uh, you did, all that hard work just uh, so good paid off. So uh, yeah, that that's that's probably the that's the moment. That's awesome, thanks, Sam. Sam. Sam, thanks so much, man. This has been this has been a thrill. This has been a this has been a Pilgrim Lost double album. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can just cut out all the boring bits when I ramble about stuff I don't know. <laughs> no, it'll be great. It'll be great. Kari, uh, any last thoughts or goodbyes? Uh, I just thank you for your music. It, it, it brings joy to my life. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and so I just appreciate it. As, and just to hear, I think hearing your, just your journey and, and all of the things that you go through is, is so good for everyone, every creative out there to just hear that that we all struggle. We're all, we're all fighting the fight every day. I'll, I'll walk in the walk. So thank you. Oh my God. Well, yeah, I, I'm glad you caught the struggle. So <laughs> it's not right on. cool. Well, thank you guys so much for having me that this has been a, a, a blessing to me. So yeah, thanks, Sam. Thanks for getting lost with us, as we say. Yeah. We got, we got lost for a minute there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Love you guys. See ya. See ya. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.